1: Hi, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you've decided to join us again. I'm Joel Grote.
2: And I'm Lynn Wilder. And again, we have a special guest with us today. Dr. Stephen Crane is from Eagle, Idaho, and he has a pretty amazing story of something that God laid on his heart a few years ago, and what he has learned since then. Welcome, Dr. Crane. Um, It's good to see you again. We're grateful for all that you do for
3: the Lord. It's great to be with you.
2: So tell us, I think when we first met, you told me some story about how you felt like God wanted you to go to a certain place and begin to introduce people to the gospel of grace. Tell us about that.
3: Well, God's always uh, laid on my heart. Um, Church planting, And so I've known for a long time that I wanted to be a church planter. And specifically in the region where I am in Idaho, I wanted to do church planting. And so um, kind of a, a strategic reason, I believe that church planting is one of the most effective areas for evangelism in the United States. There's something about a church plant that people want to come and be part of something new and be on the ground level. And so there's some excitement there. And so uh, strategically, I thought church planting was what I needed to be doing and what God wanted to call me to, but also had personal reasons that, um, where I live in Idaho, uh, if you take Mormonism out of Idaho, we're one of the least churched States in the nation. And so wow. when I had a heart for planting churches, I, I did a really, uh, um, a deep dive into, uh, demographics by going to the yellow pages back in the days when we actually had phone books. But in the yellow pages, there were 101 Mormon wards and wow. only a handful of Christian churches. And so on a personal level, I was a member of a church, not even in the town in which I lived. And so I would drive to the, the church and anytime I invited my neighbors to come and join with me, they said, you go to church where? And it was really difficult. And so God kind of put on my heart that we needed to plant a church in Eagle, Idaho. And, uh, and so we started having home Bible studies there and uh, trying to reach the community for Jesus.
2: Okay. Now, because our audience is often LDS, I'm when I was LDS, I wouldn't have had any idea what a church plant was, right? Even after my son Micah got saved, I remember Mormon saying to him, are you starting your own church? Like they had no concept, right. Of what Christians do. And and what does that mean, Steve, you're starting a church where people are following you or, you know, like Mormons. I'm not, I wouldn't have understood even what that meant.
3: Yeah. Interesting that uh, different ways, different denominations do that. I happen to be part of a non-denominational church. And so we don't have a headquarters anywhere else, but uh, our church planning model is simply start a home Bible study and, invite people to come and just study the Bible and see where it goes from there. And so we started with seven people and just amazing things have happened from there, from a living room to where we got up to 30 or 35 in our living room was pretty uh, hard to That's accommodate. Most yeah most people's living room. And so we actually went out and rented a seventh day Adventist building. The advantage there being they used the, uh, the church on Saturday and we rented it from them on Sunday and our very first service, uh, we had 111 people. And Wow. Uh, was just a great, great beginning. And then subsequent years that the congregation just kept growing and growing and growing to today, um, we're getting ready to launch our fourth campus. Uh, we average about 3000 people on our campus. And uh, um, anyway, it's just been great to see how God has used this in our area.
2: So when I was LDS, I wouldn't have known about a home Bible study either. Like I probably would have asked you, so where do you get the authority to be teaching the bible right yeah great
3: question that uh actually i believe the bible gives us that uh that authority the bible tells us that we're supposed to go and be his witnesses we're supposed to go from uh jerusalem to judea to samaria to the ends of the earth and so i feel like, like as christians it's each of our responsibilities share the gospel message and all of us are ministers uh the gospel message of jesus christ and i would I... say
1: one thing that um i've noticed that uh Is different for LDS people. Well, and even to some degree, maybe for Jehovah's Witnesses and some of the other like performance-based religions is the idea that the biblical teaching on a believer is once you're a believer, there is no authority hierarchy in terms of someone who's closer to God, someone who has more right access to God, someone who needs to represent other people toward God. And so this idea that we're all called a holy priesthood, Um, We're all called a royal nation now that under the new covenant in Jesus, we've all been given equal authority because we have all in equal measure the same Holy Spirit of God that indwells us, that then guides us. And so, yes, there's positions of leadership, there's pastors and teachers, um, there's missionaries, there's evangelists, but the fact that you have a calling to a particular office doesn't mean you have more authority than any believer who maybe uh, walks alongside you or is learning from you?
3: Absolutely. That we believe that Jesus is our high priest and we believe our authority comes from scripture. And so there's no need for other priests or people to, uh, to go between us and God because that's that's Jesus and all of us have our authority and we, we take our authority from the word of God.
2: Well, therefore, a Bible study in your home, right? Correct. So. I'm excited to do a whole podcast on Bible authority and manuscript evidence. So we'll kind of skip over that one now. So tell me what happened to those hundred and some people that showed up at that first. It's a great story. I don't know how
3: many (laughs) of the details you want. We actually Mm -hmm. had outgrown the very first Sunday, the room we had rented from the Seventh-day Adventist people. And so Mm -hmm. we were able to make some more arrangements and move into uh, their worship center, if you will, and... uh, Within just a few weeks, we were in the 150. Uh, Within a couple months, we were 200 people and uh, just uh, the right place at the right time with the right message. And God has just wonderfully blessed the ministry of of Equal Christian Church.
2: And were many of these folks LDS?
3: So until about a couple of years ago, I would say a third of our congregation have fallen into one of three categories, if you will. So a third of our congregation were either formally LDS and they had openly left the the uh, LDS faith and had told their families or friends uh, another third had left the Mormon church but had not willingly made the step of communicating that to their friends or their neighbors yet and about a third of uh, of our church um, were currently LDS but curious about what was wow. going on today. and so wow. um, a great big demographic you know 30-33 uh, uh, percent of our congregation until recent years have Really fallen into one of those three categories, and pretty equally sp- split, I'd say ten percent, ten percent, ten percent in each of those categories.
1: And so, what blessing. was at? I'm curious, what was at the core of your message as you reached out? Because, and what percentage of these people that were coming were maybe previously unchurched people? Because uh, you said there weren't a lot of non LDS congregations, and so, what what was at the core? of your teaching that you felt really resonated and drew people in
3: yeah yeah and so one of our our mainstays at Eagle christian church is we are an expository preaching church most people don't understand that we simply take the bible we take a bible book and we preach systematically through that book and so we don't pick and choose what we're going to preach from uh we, we pick a book and we preach clear through that for example right now i'm preaching through uh, Matthew, and we're cont- uh, currently in the Sermon on the Mount and more specifically on the Lord's Prayer. And people know as I go from verse to verse, they know what's coming next week. And that allows us to uh, to preach the easy topics. It also uh, allows us to preach those difficult passages <laughs> without people thinking we've singled them out. And so we perfect, perfectly consider what book we should be studying, but we take uh, we take a Bible book and we preach through that. And so, and that's very attractive, I think, to many people who they might go to a church and, and uh they give reference to the Bible, but don't preach uh, the Bible systematically. But it's also very helpful for an LDS uh, community uh, to realize what the Bible says and take that approach to studying scripture. And so that's one of our our mainstays um, at Eagle Christian Church.
2: So you're well, finding that there is a real hunger for the word if you are just expanding like that?
3: Yes. Well, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. We believe it's applicable, that it contains all that's necessary for for life and for holiness, we do believe it's God's instruction manual to us. And so we're going to preach the Bible and we're going to preach it unapologetically. And as best as you know how, make that applicable uh, to the, the people in our world today.
2: So tell me what you've learned about your LDS folks over the years, and if there's anything you maybe do different as a pastor for the LDS culture and what ways you take them in. Also, I really want to eventually address (laughs) why it's important for Christians to know about Mormonism and what they need to know about Mormonism. Yeah. I'll tell you why in a minute.
3: (laughs) Okay, so my heart for Mormon people, and uh, we probably maybe even should have started here, that uh, I grew up in Salt Lake City. And my uh, okay. father was oh, also yeah. a, a church planter. And when we were in Salt Lake clear back in the 60s, I had to date myself, um, we were one of the first non-LDS, non-Catholic churches in what was Salt Lake City proper. And so mm. having grown up in that background, I've spent all my life uh, dealing with Mormonism and Mormon people and, and love them dearly. And so uh, here in Idaho, it's not any different. Again, the, the largest single demographic would be uh, the LDS population. And so a desire to reach them and, uh, and talk to them about Jesus. And the problem is a lot of times we have conversations and we have a conversation with our LDS friend or they can have a conversation with us. And we think we're communicating because we use the same words and the same t- terminology. And yet those things at least mean something slightly different. And more, more often than not, um, something completely different. And so we can have a conversation that can go something like this. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? Do you believe in scripture? And our answers on the surface, we'd we'd say, yes, we believe in those things. And yet upon deeper investigation, we find out that what we mean about those things is is different. And so we have to take the approach where we care enough for each other, to actually stop and define those terms. And when we do define those terms, we're going to realize there are major differences between the LDS faith and an evangelical faith. And so part of our approach is simply to to stop and care enough to share our faith. And it's surprising how many evangelicals don't know what their LDS uh, friends believe and vice versa, The LDS person might be shocked to understand what an evangelical means when they talk about Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we we not only try to preach the Bible, we try to clarify terms and define what we mean uh, to make sure we're clearly communicating.
2: And I love that about you, that you teach your congregation, Mormonese, but you also teach them the doctrinal differences. And let me tell you why Why I brought that up. Being in this ministry, we just tell our story, we tell how much we love Jesus, but we also tend to address the doctrinal differences, right? Well, of course, Mormons don't like to hear me say that often. That's uncomfortable, right? Because they believe that we have the same God, the same Jesus, the same gospel. Right. Um, but Christians would say no. But often, Christians often will come after me, right? So this last week, I got a scathing um, email from a Christian who said, my son joined Mormonism 20 years ago, he has this wonderful family. And you know, they're the nicest people. And I can't believe you would, you know, address these doctrinal differences. And so um, sometimes Christians get quite irritated with me. And typically, their first words are, well, they say they believe in Jesus, right? They say they believe in God, who are you to say that these faiths are not the same.
3: Yeah. So just asking some simple questions. And again, if we, we asked our Mormon friend or they had a conversation with us and we simply said, do you believe in, in God? Of course, both of us would say, of course, we believe in God. And you might even ask the question, do you believe God is eternal? And both people would say, of course, we believe God is eternal. And so we have to learn the right questions because the right question is this. Mm-hmm. The right question is, do you believe God has been eternally God? <laughs> and at that point, there's a, a stark difference between, because as Christians, we believe actually the word God means, uh, the most often used word for God means the eternal one, the uncreated one, um, the I am who is the I am from Exodus. And so we believe God has eternally existed as God, but a Mormon would believe, well, let me tell you how God became God or uh, God was once a man like us and we can become like him and so we've got to learn how to write uh, to ask the right questions and make sure that we're willing to have a dialogue to where we clarify this and so when we we get right down to it even the God we worship is different and so and and so we just need to have those dialogues and care enough uh, about each other to to go in depth those things.
2: I would say even if you don't Think you know the right questions to ask as a Christian? Um, just drill down and keep asking a Mormon, so what do you mean when you say that? So if if Jesus died on the cross, what does that mean to you? What did that do for you? You know? Um just continually just drilling down with, okay, so how does that work? You know?
3: Asking questions is a perfect approach. And to uh, First of all, I think we're all after truth, right? Which one of us is not after truth? And so to to say we're on a journey for truth and we want to find out what somebody believes, and the truth of the matter is many people in Christian churches, they don't know what they believe. And so to be able to ask some questions and find out what do you believe and what don't you believe and then find a, a point of maybe commonality or difference and so we can dialogue from there, why wouldn't we do that with our LDS friends as well, find out what they believe. And if they do believe Mormonism and, uh, and so I just like asking questions and just seeing what they, nobody knows what they believe better than them. And so ask what they believe and, uh, and go from there. And so who is God? Where did God come from? I like asking, okay, if, if there was a God, uh, before your God and there was a God before him, who was the first one? Because I'd like to worship that one. Right. And so uh, just asking questions about what they do believe and what they do understand and taking it from there.
2: Not challenging them necessarily, but listening. Right. For what their Absolutely. beliefs are and then asking more questions. Right. right. Or right. gently. um turning them to scripture that would be teaching the opposite and then just asking them what they think about that right um it was huge for me to just read the new testament and figure out this is not mormonism
3: right yeah and so i I do like starting with with god the nature of god who god is uh and talk about uh him from scripture Uh, i like pointing out uh well, how, how do you deal with passages like Deuteronomy 6, 4? Here, uh, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Or um, Isaiah says, understand that I am God. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. And just asking mm-hmm. questions, okay, what, what do you do with that? And here are their answers. Uh, and some have never thought about that. Sometimes they may have an right. answer about that, but at least opens up conversation.
2: One of the things I wouldn't have understood when LDS was what it meant to have a personal relationship with God, because my relationship had to come through my priesthood, right? Who had the authority to receive revelation, right? That would filter down to me. So how would you explain that to someone who's LDS, what, what a personal relationship is for a Christian?
3: Yeah. And part of it goes back to this conversation we had already in terms of we don't need a priest between us and God, that Jesus serves that role for us. And so it is a, a personal relationship, an intimate relationship. It's a it's a, a relationship not based on um, what we've done, but what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so um, we really do believe that uh, that uh, because of what Jesus has done for us, that we can be reconciled back to God the Father and have an intimate relationship with him. And we believe that when we pray, uh, God listens to and answers our prayers, that, that, that as we approach him, that he'll, he'll guide us through his spirit. And um, it is not a works-based mentality um, based on what we've done, but based on what Jesus Christ has done for us. And, uh, and why us don't you than-
2: expand on that? Because again, as a Mormon, I wouldn't have understood exactly what it was Jesus did for me,
3: right? Yeah, it is about relationship. And it's not about a legalistic rule keeping um, uh, concept. It's about really having a a relationship with someone who loves us and, uh, and wants a relationship back with us.
2: So what does someone who loves you do? I mean, what does that mean? Like, is he going to materialize and hug me or what?
3: <laughs> yeah, It's interesting that this is probably one of the hardest concepts of people that have come to the faith in the Christ of the new Testament. They, they struggle with That uh, They, they say it can't really be that easy. Can it, it can't, it can't be that simple. Just have a relationship with a loving heavenly father. And I've got to stop and say, it really is that easy. And just like we build relationships with our, our human friends, and family, it's the same way. And getting to know a person, and understanding a person, and spending time with a person, and uh, and communicating with that person, that we have that same uh, opportunity with with God, our Father. And so, it really is. It, it's for most Mormons, it's a very difficult bridge to cross from a works-based mentality to a grace-based system, where it really is relationship.
2: Mm.
1: Now, I've. Found uh, when you look at um, some of the writings now, even still being published by the church, um, or you know articles in the Ensign, that there seems to be more of a push toward this idea within the LDS community. Are you finding this at all, where they're talking about how much Heavenly Father does care for me, how much Heavenly Father you know wants what's best for me? He wants what's best for all His children. Um, Are you finding any pushback from that, from stronger, from people in the LDS community that maybe continue within the
3: LDS faith?
2: Steve actually wrote a book about that. So (laughs) I'm sure you'll tell us.
3: (laughs) So um, yes, there does seem to be this attempt. There seems to be um, a very deliberate effort to appear mainstream Christian, which is so strange to me, having grown up in Salt Lake. Uh, when I when I grew up in Salt Lake, um, the the mantra was kind of we are the only Christians, and there's we're the only true church. And uh, um, you know Joseph Smith came to restore the, the the church, and so there was a a deliberate attempt back then it seemed to be to say we're the only ones, and uh, there there aren't any besides us. And so this this change that's taken place over the last 20 or 30 years, it's interesting to me because it appears like they want to be included within Christianity. And at the same time, hold back and say, we're the only ones. And so, yes, there is a deliberate attempt to use Christian terms and to talk about things like grace and, uh, and relationship. And uh, so uh, I, I think that's on purpose. I think it's deliberate, but I don't think their doctrines change. And I have written a book is Mormonism now Christian. Um, because it, it seems on one level, it's, they, they want to say, yes, we we are Christians too. And at the other other side of the spectrum, um, no, we're the only Christians. And so the question is, which which is it? And so I do believe in, in their writings and in their conversations, they're even being told and uh, to, to try to say, yes, we're Christians too. But at the very core, the doctrine hasn't changed.
1: Yeah. And what are the former LDS people within your church experiencing from friends and family that remain um, TBM, True Believing Mormons, uh, because we operate a couple of different support groups on Facebook and just in this last week, um, people were struggling with, okay, how do I communicate with my family members or my close friends? And I was saying, well, what about common ground? Because it seems like there's a certain amount of, at least in terms of morality, the Bible is scripture. Um, A desire to please God, there should be some common ground. Are you finding openness to talk about those common ground things? And almost every single person in the group that responded said some form of this. They said, Well, while I was LDS, I was really big at looking for common ground with non LDS people to try to win them. But the minute I left the LDS church, now no one wants to have a discussion about religion and it's like there's no interest whatsoever in trying to build on those areas of commonality now that I'm out, um, I'm an apostate. And so now all of a sudden my Christianity is not as acceptable as it was when I was LDS. And I I just found that fascinating that um, there's kind of this, I don't know, two level or almost this double standard that once a person leaves and still claims to follow Christ, because these are all, for the most part, people who still love God, um, still have a heart for Jesus, are reading the Bible as Scripture. They obviously don't accept the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine, Covenants, and Pearl of Christ. They don't necessarily accept Joseph Smith as a prophet, but there's still a whole lot there, and yet that's not enough to have this relationship with someone who is still a true believing Mormon. I'm just wondering. I,
3: yeah, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly with that, that it, it appears like the LDS church wants to blur the lines and say we're Christians also and use that kind of language and, uh, and want to find commonality. Um, and so on one hand, they want to use that to their advantage, but it doesn't work the other way around. And so when you leave Mormonism or when you want to have a, a conversation as a evangelical with a, a Mormon, um, it, it seems like the rules change there. And so um, I, I guess I, I am of the opinion that um, finding common ground initially, that's, that's good, but we cannot leave it there. We've gotta stop and say, yes, there are some common issues. At least we use common terms. We've gotta to come to the realization that uh, the way we use those terms is completely different. And so let's not leave it with the commonalities. Let's, let's talk about the distinctives and, uh, and what those distinctives are.
2: Because the bottom line is that eternity is at stake. It does matter that you have truth. And so um, I think everyone is seeking for that. And yet it it matters if you're making a good decision about that, right, Pastor? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it matters. And so uh, we're at the end already. We
1: are. Yes, I was (laughs) going to say. so. Where were you wanting to go with the next segment, Lynn or Stephen?
2: Go ahead, Dr. Craig.
1: Well, I would love to talk about
3: this. I mean, I, I do like bringing up uh, the difference between God and between Jesus and defining terms. But what I really like to do is I like to put forward the Bible as the Word of God. Mm. And uh, and so most most Mormons have the, uh, the belief that the, the Bible has been tampered with or that, that uh, many plain and precious truths have been removed. And so one of the core things I like to do with my Mormon friends is to to talk about the reliability of scripture and how we Mm. know the Bible is the word of God.
1: Amen. Let's do it. That's a great place to go for next time. So thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. Uh, Again, we're delighted to have you with us.
2: Thank you, Dr. Crane. Grace and peace until next time.
1: It's great to be with you. So long.